You are listening to The Sauna Show, a podcast that explores new ways to combat modern life and reclaim your health and vitality. My name is Sebastian Miro and I'm the CEO of Clearlight Saunas International and a passionate entrepreneur and health enthusiast. I'm sitting down with scientists, holistic health practitioners and change makers in the wellness space to talk about all things detox, health and happiness. So welcome on the show, Dr. Mark. Hey, great to be with you, Sebastian. I'm so excited to have you on the show. There are not many people in the world that have had a track record and an interest in wellness for such a long time and in such depth. So I'm super excited to ask you all sorts of questions around wellness and well-being. And I'm sure you have a lot to add on, the, on top of that, too. Great. I love talking about my favorite topic. <laughs> How did you get into wellness? Um, I was really strategic, I think. Um, when I was when I was um, in primary school, I read the book Limits to Growth. And this was in 1974. Huh. And I realized the whole world's going to collapse in my lifetime. And, you know, what are we going to do about it? And I also then thought the best life that I can have is to be as well as possible. Because I was always into fun. Fun has been the driving force of my whole life. And I figured you have the most fun when you're well. Hmm. And after school, I figured to learn about how to be well, I'd study medicine. So that I, I actually you know, went to start to study medicine with the intention of learning about wellness. And after, it was a six-year degree, and after the first three years, I'd learned a lot about illness, but not much about wellness. Mm. So, so I took a year off and did an honours degree, and I actually wanted to study pleasure at that time, and they wouldn't let me. They said pleasure is frivolous. You know, this is in the <laughs> mid-1980s. Yeah. You know, positive psychology wasn't a thing then. Oh, wow. So I had to study pain. So I studied pain from the physiological and the psychological perspective. I was in two departments and came across Chinese medicine, which has a totally different approach to pain and to illness and to health and well-being and has a lot of research on pain with acupuncture. But the explanation of acupuncture is in Chinese. You know, it's yin and yang and Tao and five elements and it's never been translated. So that really got me interested in the whole system of prevention and, and health and well-being. And, and if you look at you know, martial arts, that you actually get better as you get older. And I love that idea of getting better as I yes. get older and that in, improving resilience. So then, you know, so I went back and finished my medical degree. Oh, I actually did a PhD in Chinese medicine, took three years off and wanted to understand that and then came back and finished my medical degree hmm. and then got involved with understanding the body as a communication network. Hmm. And the, the people who study communication networks are computer systems engineers. So I ended up doing a second PhD in electrical and computer systems engineering so I could understand um, diagnostics, how we could you know, yeah. treat the, you know, um, get information from the body, and also therapeutics, how we can use electromagnetic fields and understand how we can um, you know, treat the body and actually make it enhance its function. Yes. And that was through the 1990s. So I did yeah, two PhDs, but then I got involved in the spa and wellness industry mm. in the mid-1990s. I was very I've had some amazing mentors in my life. And um, I've been involved with permaculture and the festival scene and, and looking at, you know, really grassroots wellness activities, you know, camping, being really deep into nature, but also, you know, setting up hot tubs and steam rooms and heated hammocks and saunas, you know, in the bush, just using recycled materials. Mm -hmm. I've been doing that for many, many years, but also doing work with really high-end resorts yeah. and wellness retreats and hotels and, you know, product companies. So I've been doing that. For, um, so Horst Reschelbacher was one of my mentors. who was an Austrian hairdresser who started the Aveda Corporation. Oh. And I got involved with Aveda early on and used to give lectures on, you know, how feeling, why feeling good is good for you. Yeah. And, um, 
yeah, they, they were really one of the first of bringing organics and sustainability into sort of a mainstream market mentality. And then you know, I got headhunted by other companies, Mandarin Oriental Hotels I did a lot of work with. And um, for, throughout the 1990s, I was like the, oh, the hippie alternative doctor in the mainstream medical school at Monash University. <laughs> so I was running electives on humour and healing and Aboriginal spirituality and um, personal development and, and um, adventure training. Like we used to take students rafting and rock climbing and, and um, clowning and happiness and all, all these great fun things. And then um, at the you know, early 2000s, um, I had this sort of life change where I got offered a job to be the professor at RMIT, where I'd be the conventional medical doctor in an alternative medical school, because I was you know, um, right. went over to be head of department, and it was the department of complementary medicine, which was Chinese medicine, um, osteopathy, and chiropractic. Mm-hmm. So I was the head of that that department for a while, and then the university sort of had this disruption where the computer system collapsed, and they restructured the whole university as they do you know, tend to do in big <laughs> corporations, and um. I ended up, um, my, my department merged with psychology and nursing to become the School of Health Science. And I was freed up from my admin role to create a Masters of Wellness program, which was sort of a dream come true. Would, you have, know. would have been one of the first ones, I'm sure. It was, it was the first. It was also the first online Masters program at the university. Uh-huh. And um, it was really multidisciplinary. So we, we were one of the first ever um, university postgraduate programs that included permaculture, that included positive psychology, yes. that included yoga. Um, wellness coaching. So we, we pioneered a lot of that. But because we're pioneers, um, there's no authority that, that controls the graduates. So in all the other things we taught, like osteopathy and chiropractic and nursing, they all have a registration board that says how you practice and has a complaints procedure and can deregister you and you know, tell you what to do. <laughs> With a wellness practitioner, there's nothing, none of that. And the university decided that's a reputation risk for the university because yeah. If someone does something you know, yeah. weird, then, then you know, the recourse is to the university. Mm. Um, so they end up, you know, the, that program ran for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And during that time, you know, I've been really for I mean, 16 years I was a professor there. Um, I got to do amazing research projects on all the things that interested me, which are pretty much all the things that don't have a lot of money behind them. Uh, so things like yoga and meditation yes. and herbal medicine and um, detoxification and health retreats and saunas and hot springs mm. and and um, yeah, all, all that sort of good fun stuff. Mm. So, and I was quite fortunate because I, I you know, have got the academic background and the scientific background. And I was able to get government grants to do acupuncture research and to do yoga research. And mm. I've had you know a dozen PhD students, and I ended up you know learning a lot myself because yes, you know, that was my intention was actually to learn. Mm. This, was, this was really set out doing it for myself. Mm. And I ended up spending thirty eight years at uni. Wow! But after that time, that you know they wound down the Masters of Wellness program in two thousand eighteen. And I said, okay, it's time for me to graduate. <laughs> I'm going to leave uni and I'll take a gap year. Yeah, right. So 2019, I took a gap year and travelled the world and ran some retreats. And I'm part owner of a hot spring in New Zealand where we do adventure bathing. Oh. We take people up to the top of a mountain and set up a, a steam room and a hot tub and next to a freezing lake. And wow. we do, you know, contrast bathing there. So, you know, I had a you know, good year off. And 2020, I was sort of ready to start, you know, operating in the world and then COVID hit and, so I've been creating a whole lot of different enterprises now. Mm. So I've just launched um, a water company, Beautiful mm. Water, mm. which has water that's not just filtering, but it's filtered, structured, balanced, blessed, and the water can be given away for free. Amazing. So it's you know, Beautiful Water. Then um, a wellness tonic company, which we have living probiotic kombucha vinegars, mm. which are fermented all the way through, so there's no alcohol or 
um, sugar left in them. Yeah. And then we soak organic herbs. And we and you know, I've written this big textbook on herbal medicine, herbs and natural supplements, and evidence based guide. And mm-hmm. so I've got a lot of you know I learned a lot about that. And that that book it's been around for nearly twenty years now. It's in its fourth edition, and each edition grows by 400 pages. So it started off at 400 pages, now it's up to 1,600 pages. And um, I used all that sort of knowledge to formulate these these tonics. And we've just launched them as um, shelf-stable wellness tonics that you can add to mineral water or, or um, you know, fruit juice or mix them with cocktails and put them into your food. Um, as Or you can just have them straight as a, as a, as a shot. Mm. So we've just launched that, and then... Um, I've got children's books that I've been writing, and, um, and then also um, an online academy where we teach people about water and about what I call extreme wellness and how to go to the extremes of your physiology. Ah. So I've been um, yeah, having a lot of fun with that, and, and really fun is my, you know, my guiding light that you know, it needs to be fun for me to even be involved with something. Otherwise, I find I get drained. But if it's fun, then you know, for two years now since I've retired, I don't feel yeah. like I've been working at all, but I've been <laughs> doing a lot. I think that there's certainly that um, when I think about the three phases of, of of an adult from a Chinese perspective, you, you would say like you know people learn, then they work, and then they give back you know the wisdom and get ready to die. Mm. You know, I wouldn't really say that you're ready to die. You, you just graduated, as you said, and you know mm. I can certainly see you're one of the most vibrant people I've ever met. <laughs> But um, in terms of what comes next and, and, and what you're really interested in. So do you feel like um, that these 38 years at, at university really gave you now something to, to, to really bring to the world now that you have a rounded idea mm. of, you know, what this is all about, what wellness is about? Well, well absolutely. And yeah. it's also helped you know, around me as a person because mm. I'm, I'm at that phase. I'm like, I'm like just hitting my second Saturn return. Mm. And every 28 years, you know, Saturn comes around in mm-hmm. the same place when you're born. And I say the first 28 years you're establishing yourself as mm. an adult. And the second 28 years is mm. when you're you know, building a family and building your career. And then the next one is when you're giving back to the world mm-hmm. and you know, being who you are. And, and I'm at that age where my My, I've got two boys. My youngest son's just finishing school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my boys are independent. Mm-hmm. You know, I've left my job. You know, I've had a successful academic career. You know, I've published lots of textbooks and 100 peer-reviewed papers and mm-hmm. done all that. And um, now I'm ready to do, you know, what I really want to do, what I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And and I, people, you know, ask me, you know, how do I do so much? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you know, I've got a lot going on. But um, I think it's because I've been really persistent and focused for mm-hmm. so long. And I haven't sort of gone off on different careers it's been really you know a regular career and also i am focused so i don't watch tv i don't follow politics i don't follow sport you know, you know read the newspapers and things <laughs> like that so you know the things that go into my consciousness i'm really protective of yeah and they're focused on what i'm interested in so i end up being quite productive that way yeah it's amazing time I, i heard you um on a podcast talking about the whole wellness pandemic that is going on at the moment which is a great take about like i guess how consciousness changes around this topic And um, we certainly at Clearlight have, have seen that big time. People are well uh, better educated and, and way more interested in really taking uh, the health to the next level. And I, I guess it has also something to do with the modern lifestyle that is mm. as extreme as it ever has been. You know, and I'm sure it, it will continue to become more extreme. But I think humans are really smart and, and, and feel into these types of things that what can balance these, these problems and these challenges out. And, yeah, and I think there's this idea of... Um, you know, that wellness can be as infectious, infectious or even more infectious yeah. than illness. Yeah. Because, you know, and they've done this network effect and there's all this um, research on, you know, social networks and how um, both illness and wellness transmit across social networks. So if 
your friend's friend's friend is overweight, yes. that makes more likely for you to be overweight, even though you don't know that person. Huh. This is how networks work. But similar, if, if you started doing things that make you well, if you yes. start taking saunas and having great water and, and you know, doing these great things for your health, mm. that actually ripples out for your network and it becomes infectious. And a lot of these wellness practices are generative in that you can do them and you can share them yeah. and then they, other people can share them and everyone gets to keep it. It's not like it's a centrally distributed product that yeah. you have to buy from a central source. You just do it from within and yeah. you can share someone else. It's like taking a plant cutting. Mm. You can take a cutting from your tree. and I, I, I do that all the time with Tulsi plants. I'm yeah. a big fan of you know, holy basil. And um, it, I've always got holy basil um, grow, you know, um, flowers on my kitchen table. And after a week, they grow roots, and then I pot them up. So if you come to my house, I give people a Tulsi plant, mm. and then they can do the same thing and keep on spreading it. So it's it's well, same with the kombucha scoby. Yes, you know our, our wellness tonic's actually living. So if you buy one, you can actually feed it sweet tea, you know, sugar and tea, and it'll keep growing. And every you know, every week, you can multiply it by five times. So you know there's a you know, cold kombucha brewery in every little every bottle or jar. So these are generative practices, and and sauna culture and bathing culture, I think, is one of those. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a big fan of you know water. I've you know dived really deep into you know, water and the energetics and mysticism and spirituality and and the physics and and biology of water, and the practices around water and bathing and drinking. Um, go through all indigenous cultures. They go through all religions. They use the you know, water and, and some sort of ba- ritual bathing or in you know, water exposure mm. as part of their religi- religious practices. So these uh, fundamental wellness practices that put us in touch, not just with our mind and our body, but we can tap into the four and a half billion years of evolution that's within us. Because mm-hmm. still within us is the primordial soup. It's the, you know, the prokaryotic, the eukaryotic cells. They're all, you know, our mitochondria are all within us. And that wisdom is accessible to us when we tap into our deep inner well of our being. And these practices do that. Can can you give me an example for that? So if you look at evolution, um, and and actually everything in nature goes through five rhythms when it it evolves, Mm. through flowing, staccato, chaos, lyrical, and stillness. Mm. So if you look at um, the evolution of of vertebrates, it went from scales to skin to feather to fur to fashion. So, you know, fish you know, had scales in the water that's flowing and mm. um, reptiles had skin on the, on the land mm. and that's staccato. Yeah. Birds have feather and they went into the air and that's chaos. Mm. Mammals have fur and it goes in the air and the, mm. the land and the sea and that's lyrical. Yeah. And then humans can fashion tools and aeroplanes and cortex jackets and go everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and that's stillness because you can just be in your yes. you know, capsule and go everywhere. Yeah. So that's the evolution of you know, vertebrates. If you look at the evolution of invertebrates, it went from the primordial soup, yes, which is the flowing, mm. to cells, which have a, you know, a boundary around that staccato, yes, to organelles, where the eukaryotic cells, where you have cells inside cells, and mitochondria and chloroplasts, mm. and that actually created oxygen and created the atmosphere, yeah. And then you have sexual reproduction, which was the lyrical phase, where you had this big explosion of life at the Cambrian period about 600, 600 million years ago, mm. and then you had shells which was the stillness phase. And shelled life is still the um, dominant form of biomass on Earth, you mm. know, crustaceans, insects, etc. So, you know, you went from, so we went from gels to cells to mm. organelles, mm. sexual cells and then shells. Mm. But to be a shell to, and grow consciousness, it's hard to be really complex as a shelled life. You know, mm-hmm. clams only get so big and even mollusks and 
beehives only get so intelligent. But what happened with evolution? The shells got encapsulated in, inside flesh and became spines. Hmm. And that gave rise to vertebrate life. Hmm. But every level still contains the level before. So, and even, so within you is still, you know, the shell, because mm-hmm. if you have your spine, it's still the, the organelles. You have organelles, you still have sexual reproduction, you mm. still have the prokaryotic cells, and inside your cells, you still have that primordial soup of nucleic acids and proteins. Right. And even if you look at human evolution, we went through the five stages of um, communication networking. Yeah. So we went through oral traditions with hunter-gatherers, to writing, where we had um, agriculture, mm-hmm. to printing, we industrial age to broadcasting, where one goes to many, like TV and radio, and then post-industrial, and now we're going to networking, where everybody can talk to everybody. Mm. But even now we have networking. We still use talking, we still use writing, we still use printing, we still use broadcasting. So it's not like you go to the next phase and shed the others. You incorporate them in it and build on top, and that's how evolution works. So your body is this four-and-a-half-billion-year creation which is a miracle of, of mm-hmm. you know, water becoming intelligent gel. And you have access to that information. So all that evolutionary knowledge is accessible when you tap into that deep inner well of your being. And that's um, what you do when you really challenge your whole physiology. Right. Which is when your, your protocol of extreme wellness mm. sort of comes into gear. Because just, just to, to sort of, sort of under, highlight what, what, what I heard you saying is basically – um, you know, because we carry the history of, of our evolution within us and still use elements of it, there are also wellness elements that would resonate with that, that would uh, correlate with that. So it means there's cell health that still is, is true. The spine health is still true and, and so on, yes? Yeah. Well, it's even, can it be, even be seen as deeper than that? So, for example, every life form since mm-hmm. life existed has had to tolerate temperature extremes. Mm-hmm. In fact, the only reason why we have life on Earth is we're in the Goldilocks zone in between where it's not too hot and not too cold and, and water can exist in three phases, liquid, solid and vapour. So temperature has, is one of the most fundamental challenges that all life has to face, both hot and cold. Mm. So when you face the extremes of temperature, it's not just you as your psychology and your physiology, that, that resonates down to your mitochondria. Mm. And, I mean, there's still you know, how conscious is a mitochondria, we mm. don't know. Mm. But I'd like to think that when you're in bliss... Mm. Every cell in your body participates in that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and or when you're in fear or when you're in panic, you know, every cell participates in that. Mm. So, and, and they've shown that often our reactions are much faster than would be predicted by brain um, processing. So we have this innate intelligence that's based on our evolutionary history that we carry around with us mm. that we can tap into when we need to. And we need to when we face these extremes. Mm. So the more we can um, expand our dynamic range, the more we can become resilient to a whole range of stresses that will normally be in our life. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. So, so what are some of these wellness um, practices that you would see in that category? So you know, saunering is the obvious one. Um, and, and when I say saunering, um, I've done you know, research on saunering and we've published um, you know, a, a systematic review of the clinical effects of sauna bathing or mm. dry sauna bathing, and then another you know study of the um, global sauna survey where we surveyed yes. people about you know, their um, impact with saunering. And when you think about sauna, sauna is the only Finnish word in the English language. That's you know it's, it's you know part of Finnish culture that's been ingrained in, into the English language. But when when the Finns talk about a sauna, they take it for granted that you 
after the sauna, you go out and jump in the snow or the ice bath or the, or the lake or the river. So the cold is a natural part of the sauna experience, but it hasn't been well translated. Yes. So pretty much every five-star hotel and every gym now in the world has a sauna, but very few have that actual cold experience that's uh, the cultural part of sauna yes. bathing. So when I talk about saunering, I'm talking about the extremes of both hot and cold. I mean, although most people think of the sauna as the hot experience. Mm. So, but, but I think, um, and there's really good evidence to show that when you combine hot and cold together, you get a synergistic effect. And you know, the, visiting the extremes of hot and cold is a really powerful way to exercise your physiology, but also ex exercise your mind and build the relationship between your mind and your mitochondria and your mm. cells and, and all of you, because your whole body has to react to this potential life-threatening situation. You know, I, I really, really love that you say visiting that point of extreme rather than pushing through it, because I think and we have, you know, our, our culture can be, the Western culture can be quite tough because it's all about, you know, push through, you know, work harder mm, and, no, you know, no. and that type of thing. And uh, with the words that you choose, to me, it's really clear that you can go much more gentle and you still get really good health benefits. Well, actually, you get it. better health benefits by going gentle, I believe. Amazing. Um, and, and if you think about, like, if you're doing yoga, mm. there will be a point of you doing a stretch where you can feel the limit of your stretch. And if you just breathe and focus, you can be there comfortably and okay. But if you forced yourself to go further, you're going to pull a muscle and hurt yourself and actually then limit your movement. Mm -hmm. But if you just visit the edge of the, your comfort zone, mm -hmm. and you can do that so you can do that with your metabolism in a sauna, mm -hmm. um, what happens is that your comfort zone naturally expands by itself. Mm -hmm. You don't have to force it to, 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 to widen. So it, it's getting to the point of being comfortably uncomfortable mm -hmm. or the, the point of forced mindfulness. And it's that point when your body says, hey, there's something going on here. Maybe it's time to get out. You know, yeah. we're getting really hot. And that's, you know, your mitochondria and your cells sort of getting the attention of your mind. So your body is gra grabbing the attention of your mind and, mm -hmm. and focusing it. And at that point, all you have to do is do a couple of focused breaths and be there. And you're at the edge of your comfort zone there. Yes. And then you can change temperature. Mm. But it is, it is really important when you visit the edge of either hot or cold that you spend time coming back into balance. Yes. That, that you really have focused act, um, rest time where you go back into homeostasis. And that's the bliss, that's the, that's the reward of visiting the edge where you can find the, the perfect point in the middle. You know, one of the most common questions that we hear from our customers is like, so what, what is right for me? How many minutes and seconds should, should I be in the sauna? Many, how many degrees? And exactly, it doesn't yeah. have to be. Do I drink before, after that type no. of thing? And what do I do afterwards? Do you have? Have you developed? I guess more a framework than a protocol that that you absolutely. tell people ar around those things. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's not mine. I mean, there's it's sauna sort of, sauna sort of been happening for you know generations. Yeah. And a, and a rough basic pro protocol would be to rinse, do hot. Cold, rest, repeat. Mm -hmm. So you know, rinse, hot, cold, rest, repeat. You mean actually water, like rinse, like yeah, have rinse a shower, and have yes. a shower first. Yes. You know, get you know stuff off your off your skin. Yes, and then and it also, um, water is a really big factor in temperature. So you know, there's no prescription to say this this long this temperature and this humidity for this time, because it's it's such a personal experience, and depending on the humidity, it will change your experience enormously. So you can tolerate maybe a hot bath at 42 or 43 degrees um a steam room maybe 48 degrees I mean, a dry sauna might go up to you know 80 90 100 or even over 100 degrees if it's a really dry sauna 
because water transmits uh, heat 25 times more than, than air does. Wow. So depending on the amount of moisture you've got, that'll, that heat transfer. And it's also, you'll notice um, in a traditional Finnish sauna, if you wave the air around, you know, you have a fan, it, it's even hotter. And that's yeah. because you have con- conduction where the heat gets conducted away by the water, you have convection as well when the air is moving. Mm. So you get even more heat transfer. But um, there's no prescription to say, you know, based on your body type yeah. or your thing, you know, this is how long and how much time. But there is a subjective um, prescription to say, go to the point where you're comfortably uncomfortable, mm-hmm. take three calm breaths at that point, then go and relax, and then do that a couple of rounds. Mm-hmm. And... and you know, relax and then do, I'd suggest even do, doing cold, mm-hmm. cold shower, you know, and the colder the better. Mm. And that acts like um, a bicep curl for your vascular system. I mean, you, your body has about 100,000 kilometers of blood vessels, and, and they're lined by smooth muscle. Huh. And that muscle is not normally under your voluntary control. Mm. But you can control those, those muscles in your blood vessels by changing the temperature. Mm. So when you're in a sauna, you vasodilate. So you become flushed mm. and your heart actually increases. And there's a lot of evidence to show that um, regular sauna bathing improves cardiovascular function and improves you know, cardiovascular disease, heart disease. But you're expanding your vascular system and opening up and you're also flushing the blood through your muscles and your skin, but you're not making metabolic waste products because you're relaxed. You know, you're not you know, pumping your muscles or anything. Mm. So you're flushing all the um, blood through, through the periphery without making new waste products. Mm. And then if you go to the cold, you start to vasoconstrict. And that pushes all that blood through your internal organs into your core. Mm. And that pushes it through the liver and the kidneys, and you can then detoxify. So that's part of it. And it's so you're opening up your blood vessels when you're hot, and then you're constricting those blood vessels when you're cold. And that's like a you know, contraction of this 100,000 kilometers of blood vessels in your body, which um, is such an important factor because, you know, the second most common cause of death is vascular disease, you know, heart attack and stroke. Wow. You know, and it used to be the first yes. co- most common cause. Now cancer is overtaken. But um, you know, vascular disease is so prevalent. Yes. And to keep your vascular system al- young and elastic and, and working well, you, you need to exercise it. And this is one of the most important ways you can, or one of the most accessible ways as well, that you can actually do that. So it's, it's literally that the, the, the more blood goes to the surface, you know, do, 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 through the vessel dilation. And then as you go into a cold shower, for example, or mm-hmm. ice bath or what have you, it's, it's actually the, the blood going certain pathway, pathways and, and concentrating more in, in the organs. And therefore, there are certain effects like That's detox. right. Because yeah. in the cold, the, the external blood vessels contract. Yes. And it forces the blood to go into your core to keep your core warm. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that means, yeah, so you've contracted all your blood vessels on the surface mm. and all the blood's going through your core, which is your, you know, your internal organs, your liver and kidneys. Mm. And it's really important to stay really well hydrated. I mean, there's, there's a few precautions. I mean, heat is a really powerful force. I mean, heat can move a you know, steam train. Mm. Um, so when you're using you know, saunas, it's really important to stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. It's really important to you know, just be aware that you know, panels are hot and you, mm. you know, the surfaces you can burn yourself. And that um, to have an idea of your own personal tolerance. So, you know, to visit the edge of your comfort zone, it's nice to know when you're approaching that. So, and that will change depending on the, your mood or to change on how often you've been doing it, change mm. um, on your state of health. Mm. But just to have an idea of your own, you know, um, level of, of tolerance yeah. so that you can be safe with that. Yeah. And then, you know, you want to make sure you're, you're really well hydrated 
and to have the best quality water as possible. Uh-huh. And that, I, I can't stress that enough. And I've got a vested interest. I've got a water company. But um, I'm sure you, you would know, have said that before before you had the well, company. Well, that's right. I, yeah. I mean, that's the reason why I created the company because <laughs> I wanted to have like the best water myself. Yes. And and it's more important. And this is what I realised doing this research, uh, a lot of research. Um, is that it's more important to filter your bathing water than your drinking water. Amazing. Well, and, and if you think about it, you're exposed to a lot more bathing water than drinking water. You might drink a couple of litres, but you might bathe in 200 litres. So just the amount of water is different. But um, they've done some really good research on this where they got people to um, drink chlorinated water, a couple of litres, and then they got people to have a bath. And they were breathing fresh air. Just, mm-hmm. So the bath water was touching their skin, but they were breathing fresh air. Then in another situation, they were in the bath, and the bath water wasn't touching their um, um, skin, and they were breathing just the air from the bath. Yeah. So they were comparing ingestion through the stomach, yeah. through the skin, and through the lungs. And what they found was after ingesting chlorinated water, you don't get any chlorinated byproducts in your blood. You know, chloramines... Um, chloroform, trihalomethanes, and that's because your liver filters them out. So, you know, you drink something, it goes into your stomach, that blood goes to the liver, Mm. and that will filter out all these toxic elements. Mm. So it's not great for your liver, but it doesn't appear in your blood and all your other organs. But you have a a short bath in hot water, then all these elements become volatile, so you breathe them in through your lungs, that's a big surface area that goes straight into your blood, and they found that, and also through your skin. So you get this big toxic load for your skin and through your lungs, just from, from bathing in hot water. And what they've just realised, when, when I went to medical school, you know, more than 30 years ago now, um, we were told that the, the human body has a, a surface area of about 1.8 square metres, maybe a single bed size, if you, know, you skin someone and lay out their skin. Huh. And, and you use that calculation for burns and things like yeah. that. But recently they recalculated that and said, look, every time there's a hair follicle, mm. every time there's a sweat gland, Every time there's a sebaceous gland, the skin dips down and comes back up. Mm. And if you count those glands, more than 2 million, then your skin has a surface area of 30 square metres. Mm-hmm. And this is where the bacteria live that live on your skin. And these are where the oils are secreted. And your skin naturally secretes oils that protect you from the sun. Mm-hmm. They st- stop your skin drying out but from ageing, from you know, getting um, damage. They also have oils that protect and nurture the good bacteria. And those good bacteria protect you from bad bacteria and viruses. And there's also these antigen-presenting cells in the clefts of your skin that tell your immune system about what's going on in your environment. Mm. So it's actually a good thing to be touching things all the time and, and exploring that because you know, it's, it's your first point of contact with the outside world. Now, now there's a lot of research on the gut microbiome. Mm. But to get into your gut has to pass your nose and your eyes and your mouth. Mm. But you know, your skin is actually much first line of defense, much more important line of defense. And if you're bathing in chlorinated water, you're stripping away these oils, you're oxidizing those oils, you're changing the bacteria um, combinations, so you're actually making more antibiotic resistant, more pathological, you're drying out your skin, and you're making yourself prone to a whole range of hair and skin conditions and, and ill health. So, you know, if you're going to be bathing regularly, and especially if you're sauna bathing, when your pores are open, you really want to have, um, you know, good quality water to both rehydrate and also to bathe in. That is an incredible insight. So what I hear you saying is that chlorine, and it is used for, for cleaning, of course, it kills a lot of, of the, the living surface that we have or li- living microcosm on our, on our skin, which um, 
helps us interact with our environment and actually is a defense mechanism as well as an inf information network that in informs our body what to do and, and so on. And then something that I don't quite understand is like what these products that you say come from chlorine entering yeah. your body. Mm -hmm. What do we know about that in terms of, you know, the, the, the pros and cons of having that in our body? Let's, yeah. let's put it neutral. Um, they're bad. Right. <laughs> I mean, the reason why we use chlorine in water yes. is because chlorine is so toxic, it's so potent poison that it will kill bacteria at 0.5 parts per million when it comes out of your tap. So is it a good thing to use it in the first place? Well, it's good if there's outbreaks of cholera and typhoid. Right. If you're from right. a public health perspective, yes. and, and they know that if you chlorinate um, you know, municipal water, yeah. which has been done since the First World War, yeah. that um, you can reduce cholera and typhoid outbreaks, mm -hmm. but you will increase the rate of bladder cancer. Huh. They know that, but yeah. you know, but they figure it's a yeah. trade-off. But they actually don't, They when they started doing that, and even now, they did that way before we realised that bacteria are our friends. Mm. Bacteria is, is who we are. We're built out of bacteria. And that maybe waging war on bacteria is not the health, healthiest thing we can do. Mm. So, but yes, they, they use chlorine because it is so potent. Yes. But you know, I have this theory that drinking less poison is good for you. Yeah, there's something about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that rings truth. <laughs> and, and that bathing in less poison is good for you. Yeah. And if you don't use a filter, you are a filter. Yes. So you know you, you want to get this stuff out. You know, maybe it's good for the for the um, municipal distribution. Yes. And although there is issues there because a lot of the um, pipes in the distribution networks in the cities are very old. You know, fifty, hundred, hundred and fifty years old. And there's galvanized pipes. There's lead solder. And when they chlorinate the water, the chlorine pulls the lead out of the lead solder and actually puts lead into the water, puts other heavy metals, puts biofilm, puts rust, puts sediment, puts polished yeah. organic compounds, puts grease from the pumps, and there's all sorts of stuff that can yes. end up in our water. So, you know, one, one thing is to get the water to your home, but the water that you want to put onto your body and in your body, you know, you want to have more control over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, have a whole house filter so you can bathe in, in yes. beautiful water is a really great thing to do. However, there are some there are some tricks. Yeah. So you know when I'm traveling and if, you know you can't afford or you know not in a situation to put a whole house filter in, mm. you can get rid of chlorine quite easily because when you um, raise the temperature of water over about 25 degrees, the chlorine is very volatile mm. and it outgasses. So if you if you just fill up your bath with really hot water, and you got to be careful not kids around because mm -hmm. hot water, hot baths are, you know can mm. be really damaging to show children and burns. But but you just fill it up with really hot water. Turn the fan on and wait half an hour. Mm -hmm. In that half an hour, in that hot water, that the chlorine will outgas, and you can have it then go into the bath and have a chlorine-free or relatively chlorine-free bath in a hotel or at home. You know, if if you don't have access to a whole house filter, so there are ways you can manage it. Mm. But ideally, you don't want to be exposed to these sort of. And it's not just chlorine. There's all these what they call disinfection byproducts, which are generally toxic. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, you you don't want to have them. Yeah, you know, in your body at all if you can help it. Listening to you, I do have the feeling it's just the because you come from a point of view that you have seen the research. It's not like I guess mm. this is not good for us. Mm. It's like you, this is not good for us. Um, that sooner or later our our cities and you know whoever is running the, these services will catch on to other things that still um, ensure that their mandate uh, they follow their mandate of mm. like you know supplying really safe uh, drinking water and enhancing what it actually does for us. I, I would hope that it's just a delay. Well, I don't know, because there's, there's a different priority there. So there's a big difference between safe and healthy. 
So right. they do a lot of things for safety that yes. aren't necessarily healthy. Mm-hmm. But you know they're they're safe. So um, you know we have this these policies of you know safety through poison, mm. whether it's you know chlorine in the water or fluoride and and or even you know, a lot of antibiotics and drugs mm-hmm. and um, you know things that they inject into the body are actually poisonous. Mm. Um, but it's done there for a, for a safety factor, not gotcha. necessarily to enhance your health, but yes. to stop you getting sick. Right. And if you're going to do it to enhance your health, that's actually a different discussion. And I think that's that's why the pandemic of wellness is coming because people realize, you know, no one I would think in public health or in general in health wants to harm anyone. But if you have that framework of I want to be sa- well, have it safe, I have a risk management approach. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I, you know, like running a company, there's certain things we do. We know, like, safety you know, is good. Yeah, safety exactly. is good. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know. You know? Maybe it's not quite as much fun or, you know, this mm. and that, but, you know, that safety comes first. Mm. And and so I can see that then, um, I guess, the public as a, in, as a, as a wider, wider group would say, well, let's take this further or, you know, bring that yin-yang in yeah. it. But then it's up to, so safety comes first at a population level. Yes. But I think at an individual level, yeah. um, safety can be really restrictive because I, I'd say fun comes first. Sure. Because often, because but you know, fun is not always safe. Um, you know, you need to expand, and you know, there's, there's some things that aren't. That's you know, going mountain biking down a mountain or snowboarding is not that safe. No, but, but you know, but it's a lot of fun, and and the joy you get from that, and the enhanced wellness you get from that, is not accounted for in public health, you know, discussions. Yes. So safety is a different discussion to health and well-being, and that's the individual discussion people need to have with themselves mm-hmm. now how much am i wanting to enhance my health to mm. embrace life to maybe not be as safe but to be embracing fun and well-being and to do it with the framework i mean there are as i say protocols and there, mm. there are common sense safety principles that you can follow mm. to keep these activities safe so i mean saunering it's not necessarily safe people die in saunas mm. um you know you're dehydrating yourself you're exposing yourself to heat mm. um but in terms of the the, the resilience and the, the health and well-being effects you get from that, that, that is, you know, without doubt, I mean, it's not controversial. There, there's, you know, less all-cause mortality if you regular sort of bath. Mm-hmm. You know, less di- chance of dying from all causes, less cardiovascular disease, less respiratory disease, less um, pneumonia, less Alzheimer's disease. So these are all documented with, with sauna bathing. But... Um, it's up to an individual to do that. Yes. And also it's up to the individual to decide how often you're going to do it, how, how much you're going to push your physiology. Mm. Are you going to do it just socially and not even work up a sweat? Or are you going to actually go there and sweat and focus and really go within and, and expand your ability to, to be in relationship with your body? So these are all individual discussions. But once you do that and you set up a culture of people doing that and doing it together, that's when wellness becomes contagious. <laughs> if you look at our molecules, we're 99.9% water molecules. Wow. Because you know, if you think about your body, it's you know two thirds water by volume or by mass. Mind yep. you, as an infant, you're much more than that. And literally, as you get older, you know you're drying as you die. Uh-huh. And as when you die, you're yes. you're shriveled up and dehydrated. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe fifty percent water. Mm. Um, but if you count the molecules, water is such a tiny molecule. You know, two hydrogen and uh, oxygen mm. compared to you know nucleic acids or proteins or collagen, which are massive, and they're all bathed in water. So you've got ninety nine point nine percent of your Molecules are water molecules, mm. and you actually produce water in your body as well. Mm. So the just the the function of respiration when you break down glucose, mm. you create water molecules as part of that that equation. You know, you, glucose plus oxygen gives you carb, um, 
carbon dioxide and water mm. and energy. So we actually make about a glass full of water, pure biological water, metabolic water in your in your body. So there's literally a well in your being, and you know that's you know, it's, it's who we are. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Hey, I want to come back to um, talking about a protocol or, of of wellness, extreme wellness, mm -hmm. and and I'm you know as, as you established, it's more like a framework because we are different. Yeah. But what you know, have, you probably have seen everything that, that that there is to be seen in terms of wellness that is at the oh, moment. Oh no, there, there's still a lot for me to learn. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, there is. But because this has been going on for every culture has their own practices. But I love it's such a great thing to learn. So I have yes. I have studied a lot, but yeah, I wouldn't say I've seen everything. Right. So, so what, what, what is it? What is part of what you think is a is a is a doable and you know like extreme, but but you know like fitting into a normal normal life yeah. of a person protocol that that you see working? So I have a like a framework, and, and I, I teach. Um, I've got a, a course called Waking Up to Wellness, which mm -hmm. goes through the theory and the practice of of what I call extreme wellness, mm. and it's a protocol which looks at your channels of elimination, which is your bladder, your bowel, your breath your body, and your brain. Mm. And we talk about filtering and flushing your bladder. That's your relationship with water. And, and going a bit dehydrated and then having really good quality water mm -hmm. and realizing, you know, when you're dehydrated and you've got good water, it's such a joy. Mm. Just to drink water is such a joyous mm -hmm. thing to drink. <laughs> and to, to continually filter and flush your bladder. So having good quality water to drink, having herbal teas, um, and having a lot of water in your food. Mm. So that's with water. Then you feast and fast your bowel. So you basically basically fast every every night anyway. So you just prolong that fast. And there's a lot of research on intermittent fasting. We're good with that even with Chinese medicine? Absolutely. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'd rather follow what's good for a person, not good for right. a, a gotcha. theory. But yeah, so mm -hmm. um, don't eat until you're hungry. Mm -hmm. And wait till you're quite hungry before you eat. And, and, and if you do that, and, if, and certainly don't eat before you go to sleep, Because sleep's really important. Um, but if you prolong that fast overnight, then what happens is it gives your chance, your body a chance to process all that food that you've eaten the day before and get ready for the next meal. Mm. So, you, you know, then you might start thinking about food and salivating before you have the meal and mm -hmm. you'll actually enjoy the food more. You'll be able to eat less and get more nutrients out of that food because digesting food takes a lot of energy. And if you keep on eating every three hours mm. or four hours, um, you're often processing food not fully, and then you're trying to get rid of it for the next meal to come in. Mm. But if you're only, if you've trained your mitochondria and on your microbiome, to and your microbiome does control a lot of your appetite and what what you want to eat, so you can train it to not have you know food first thing in the morning, maybe a cup of tea or mm -mm. water, or you know, like a apple cider vinegar or a kombucha tonic. Mm. But then, you know, if you don't eat until you're hungry. When, when you're ready to eat, you'll get all the nutrients out of that food. Mm. So you'll eat less, get more energy. You'll feel more vibrant because you're not spending a lot of energy digesting. So you actually have more energy for your day mm. and for your mental mm. faculties. And you actually feel better. Mm. So, and, and then it's okay to feast occasionally. You know, and put yourself into a food coma. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, that's so, but feasting and fasting your bowel is really good. And that, that's your relationship with glucose. And then panting and holding your breath. So doing some exercises and, and every day doing something where you're panting, mm -hmm. you know, and that could be running, it could be you know, any, any exercise can do that. Mm. And then the, with the breath holding, you can do that formally, like a Wim Hof training where mm -hmm. you do hyperventilation and breath holding, mm. but also activities that make you laugh. Mm. It's like a breath hold because, you know, it's sort of this chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um, or singing is really good. Huh. 
Um, but so, you know, using your breath and, and very often chanting when you have prolonged exhalation, you know, we're doing om or, mm. you know, different singing. Mm. So, you know, controlling your breath is really, really um, powerful as a link between your mind and your body. Mm. So we you know, filter and flush our bladder, we feast and fast our bowel, we pant and hold our breath, then we do hot and cold with our body. Mm-hmm. So you go into a sauna or a hot bath, and then you go into a you know ice bath or just even a cold shower, mm-hmm. or just or even just cool air. But you do you know this variation of temperature, mm-hmm. and then you have the the balance point in between. And then finally, you do everything possible with your body. So you do things that put you into flow. And that could be a sport, could be dancing, could be um, doing you know um, fire t- twirling or slack lining or you know circus skills that put your body into a flow state where you're fully engaged in, mm-hmm. you know, in the moment and then you actively do nothing with your brain. Right, explain that. So you put yourself into a, into a period where it might be you know, doing a hammock or on a bed and say, okay, for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to do nothing. Huh. I'm just going to meditate. I'm not doing say I'm going to meditate. I'm just going to do as much nothing as possible. Okay. And <laughs> it's actually really nice when you're coming out of the sauna and you've done the hot and cold, when you're, when you're balancing, mm-hmm. just to just to be. Mm. So you're not trying to do anything. And, you know, you might think you're doing nothing, but there's, there's always less you can do. You know, doing nothing is like a spiritual practice that you can really get into. But, the, but there's a saying in, in um, Eastern wisdom traditions that the greatest movement comes from the stillest point. So if you can be really still in your mind and your body, that gives you the ability to give you the greatest resilience and dynamic range and movement when you're mm-hmm. not doing that. Mm-hmm. So finding that still point within is really powerful for then you to be really powerful in the world. And I think really rare in, in the fast-paced life that many of us live, hey? Mm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that balance. You, know, you, you always want to, you know, polarity. You want to experience the, the fast pace and do yes. as much as yes. you can. But to do that, you also want to experience absolute stillness. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I'm exposed to also that thinking that you have to take off time of work to really be effective and um, the group that I'm with, you know, d- different, um, you know, business owners sort of like seeing the statistics of it, and the more successful you become, the more time you have to take off, the less time you take off, you know, yeah. the, the, the so, harder it so is. So I'd suggest you take time off every day as part of your yes. daily practice. Yeah. Take time out of the day uh-huh. and build that into whether it's your breathing practice or your hot and cold practice, your bathing practice mm. or... You know, sometime in the day, you know, where you relate to nature mm. and you just be, and it could be, you know, it's it's up to, to you how to structure that. You know, there's meditation practices you can do it like when you're lying in bed. Um, I love hammocks because like, <laughs> it forces you to sort of, yes. you know, to sort of just hang there and, and not really be engaged. Um, but yeah, to have, have a, a, a personal practice where you're going through this range. And when you're doing that, you know, we've talked about it, you don't, push yourself you know at all just visit the edge of that comfort zone visit the edge of the the edge extreme and then enjoy that balance point in between mm-hmm. and that balance point is usually the point when your your body will tell your mind to turn off mm-hmm. and that happens naturally in a sauna and in mm-hmm. a nice bath because your mind gets focused um, but there are way, there are tricks you can do that that you can enhance that so I've been you know, teaching people how to you know go into a nice bath mm. And for a lot of people, that will bring up anxiety and trauma because mm. it actually reproduces the body chemistry and the breathing pattern of, of trauma and anxiety. <gasps> you know, you start to hyperventilate. Okay. And if you've had past trauma, yes. you can actually re-ignite um, that. So you've got to be careful with people who have had trauma. 
But if you do it in a very controlled way, they can actually relive that trauma and overcome it because they know they're safe. Ah. And there's a, a few things you can do with your body that can help put you into parasympathetic mode. And I've, I've been summarizing a lot of information lately. It's coming out as poetry. So this is one of, one of the things that's coming <laughs> out of the poem. So this is um, the 10 hacks to relax. And it's touch all your fingers, wiggle your toes, soften your stomach, breathe through your nose, mm-hmm. sigh, smile, swallow, sing, flutter your eyelids, and focus within. Mm. So they're all activities you do when you're safe in your cave. Hmm. When you're you know, relaxed and eating and you know, sewing or drawing or um, breathing gently or going to sleep or flirting. Um, they're not the things you do when you're running away from a tiger or yeah. in a battle. So the, the, all those activities will tell your body you're safe and you're in parasympathetic mode. Mm-hmm. So even though in an ice bath you're, you're panicking, mm-hmm. you can actually bring yourself down. So, but th- those activities work anywhere. So mm-hmm. anytime you're you know, scared or upset or anxious or in pain, mm. those activities will actually help calm you down and bring your body back into focus. So it's a really nice little hack. Mm. Um, and also if you want to prolong, you know, at that point when, you know, you really have to get out of the sauna because your body's telling you, hey, I'm really sweating. If you want to get another, you know, 20 seconds, minute or two, if you do those activities, it'll calm your body down even further. So you can actually prolong that edge of your comfort zone experience because you're still mm. comfortable mm. even though you're in an extreme situation. Yes. Talking about a couple of, so how you can enhance your sauna experience with, <laughs> with, with you know, certain certain funny foods or, or you know, cold water, that type of thing. Can you touch on that? Because I sure. thought it was just really quite quite interesting. Yeah. So I've been, I've been experimenting with this for a long time. Mm. So, um, and it depends, I mean, some of them are hard in infrared sauna because yeah. if you don't have a wet bottom, yes. so this, you know, design needs for quite a few for the finish sauna. Yes. And, and at home I've got both. I've got an infrared and right. a finish sauna because mm. I love saunas. Um, but one is um, just to get a, a plastic bottle full of ice water. Mm-hmm. And this happened by accident one one year where we had this plastic bottle with ice water and there was a very small pinhole in the bottom of the bottle. Mm. So out of the bottom of the bottle was a really fine stream of ice water. Mm. And if you that actually gives you the ability to direct you know, intense cold onto a very precise part of the body. Mm. And because I've done training in, in acupuncture yes. and Chinese medicine, you can follow the meridians, mm. you can follow particular acupuncture points, or you can just put on the forehead or mm. on the back of the neck. So when your body's really hot and you're at the point of forced mindfulness because you're, you know, yes. you're really hot, if you then focus a very small stream of ice water mm. on, that, on that area, it sort of changes your, brings your awareness to that point huh. and it actually gives you some relief from the heat. And it prolongs your experience, but it's actually make, it's, it's sensual. It makes it puts you in more in touch with your mm. body. So you can do that with um, yeah, a stream of ice water. You can do it with, a, with an ice cube and just do an ice massage yes. in the sauna. Yeah. So you can, you know, um, <laughs> and then you know, there's all the different fans that you can use. So you know, in Germany they use Alfgas and they swish, you know, it's a performance and they swish the towels around. But even just a Chinese fan yes. is to push the air around. Yes. And and you, know, you can do that onto another person or you can do it for yourself, and that really changes your experience. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, all the different essential oils you can put on and the different plants you can whip yourself with and you know, stimulate the, the blood circulate, circulation. And then um, just been experimenting with um, cold air guns, you know, just like a, 
air compressor mm. with a, um, a, a, which you could do it, which you can do in a in an infrared sauna. Huh. So you can direct cold air yeah. onto the body when yeah. you're in this really hot environment, mm. and it has the same effect of just bringing your consciousness into a, one part of your body, mm. and that can be for healing, but it also can just be for fun, mm. and just because I mean, the more you can be aware of your body, the more your your body becomes an integrated whole. Amazing. So that's and then in in New Zealand, I've part owner of this Maruya Hot Springs, which yes. is in the South Island of New Zealand. And we do like a whole wellness entertainment thing there. So yeah. we have infrared saunas, the finished saunas. And then we bring out um, you know, frozen watermelon with rose water on it. And, uh, and you know, when you're just out of the sauna, then, you know, you're, when you're dehydrated and then when you're having a, suddenly someone brings frozen watermelon with some rose water and, or you know, different treats, and yeah. um, it just really delights the, the senses. And I think the more delightful yes. we can become and, and more delightful situations we can create, you know, that's, that's wellness. I really like that, you know, because you come from the point of view that you actually have studied, you know, happiness and, and, and well-being and that, you know, it, it gives you a lot of authority to just say this is actually important, you know, to enjoy certain things or, or everything actually really and, you know, yeah, getting joy it, out of it's it. It's funny that I, you know, I need to be a professor with, you know, all these, all these two, two PhDs to be able to tell you just to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of obvious, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's nice to have that validation. And I think we do go through this sort of cycle of, you know, it's obvious, but then we research and we un understand some of the mechanisms behind it and and why it's so beneficial and then we come to that activity with a whole new renewed interest mm -hmm. and, and a depth of understanding that actually yes. enhances the experience as well yeah no it's awesome hey there are a couple of things that you really have to tell us and that's uh first where can we in general find more out about you mm -hmm. and then uh specifically the, the couple of products uh, that you were mentioning you were mentioning the water filters and yeah. also the the, the tonics. tonics that would be amazing so um drmark.co mm. just drmarc.co mm -hmm. is my website mm -hmm. and on that website there's all my different i call them my adventures huh. they're, they're business ventures but they're more adventures yes so i have you know, beautiful water it's beautifulwater.co mm -hmm. is the website i'm just launching that at the moment so yep. that's a whole range of filters and different colors but not just filters structuring devices vortex devices um, extremelyalive.co is the wellness tonics. Mm. Um, Pronoia Press is my website for my books, and I have a, a range of um, adult books for children or children's books for adults. And these are illustrated books with deep, philosophical, profound mm. concepts mm -hmm. in them, but done very simply that four-year-olds can relate to. Um, and then I have a, the Extreme Wellness Academy, and that's academy.extremewellness.co. Mm. Um, and that's also what you can get it through Dr. Mark. So that's where I have a, courses about water and courses on waking up to wellness and going through the, the extremes of physiology. And then Maria Hot Springs is the hot spring in New Zealand where we were running retreats mm. and doing adventure bathing where we take people to the, the top of a mountain or a river valley and set up hot tubs and, and um, steam rooms out in nature. Mm. Um, they're on hold at the moment until we open this bubble between mm. Australia and New Zealand. So I'm looking forward to going back to... Know, doing some more retreats at mm. um, Maria, which is this incredible pristine property in the middle of the South Island. It's off the grid. It's run on a hydroelectric station, amazing cold water coming down. And from the ground, you have this 53-degree hot water naturally coming up from, from the earth. And, mm. you know, it's like heaven and earth meet in this incredible location. Incredible. Yeah. So, um, and I'm on Facebook, Dr. Mark, mm -hmm. D-R-M-A-R-C. Um, yeah, people can find me there. I'm, I mean, I'm, I try and... Not to be super active on socials because it just can take over your life. And, it can. Um, and, and you know, I think everyone in the modern world sort of battles with that. How, yes. how much do we, which platforms and how do we do it? And 
and then getting people to do it for you, then you have to manage them. <laughs> and, you know, you know, you're running a business. So, yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah, um, through my website and then through probably Facebook is the main one. I'm not, not that active on Instagram. And, yeah. But, you know, I've got YouTube and BitChute and I'll probably do some more of that as well. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming. But thank you also so much for all the work you've done because um, I can see just, like, how fundamental it has been for the whole industry and, you know, and for the world just, and you know, and that that has come to fruition and that you know just you know free to actually really really take it out there without having any constraints of, of another job so yeah, well, i'm um, excited to see well, what well, happens it, it feels really good like yeah you know, my whole life sort of unfolding now in a really beautiful way and um you know i'm super grateful for you because you know i come and just i just chat about my life on this podcast and you know you've set it all up and you have to you know you put it out to your market and you know <laughs> you, you do all of that for me and i just i just have to come up and chat and then it's just been delightful so thank you yeah thanks i hope i have you back because i can see like there's just so much more knowledge that you have in the awareness well yeah, yeah yeah I, I, I love talking about great stuff, so yeah all right it's a done deal <laughs> <laughs> awesome thank you so much it's a pleasure <laughs> guys thank you so much for listening to the sauna show my name is sebastian miro and this episode was sponsored by clearlight jacuzzi saunas the world's leading provider of superior quality full spectrum infrared saunas you can find more information and resources for this podcast at the all one word or on instagram at the sauna show Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with friends. Until next time, have the best day ever.